This small hill looks like an ordinary foothill in the shadow of Mount Cadmus here in Turkey, but it's really no ordinary hill. Everywhere you go, there are little pieces of broken pottery and other forms that show that people once lived here. Literally, the city is right underneath me, and it was to the people who lived here those many years ago that Paul wrote, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is all that remains of the city of Colossae. It's nothing now, it appears, but it was a big deal back then. It was one of the three largest cities in this area, now Turkey, then Asia Minor. It's the Lycus River Valley area, and it was rich and it was large. And people invested their whole lives to prosper here. And then an earthquake came along in 60 AD and wiped the whole thing out. But you know what's interesting is that anyone who invested their whole lives for that city or for what they could get in that day, wasted it. But anyone who listened to what Paul wrote in the letter to the church in this city, their life and story keeps going on. He wrote, whatever you do, big or small, do it for God's glory, for God's pleasure. And those who live that way, their story goes on and the impact of their lives remains. And so I think we should be encouraged, though we have to live and produce, ultimately our lives need to be about giving God glory because then our story has an impact and our lives go on forever. Well, good morning. Good to see you. Thank you so much for being here. I want to welcome Northridge Grosseal, who's live streaming with us right now. And if you're a guest, we're one church, but we meet in four different locations. And it's terrific to have you with us. And we're in this series called Origins, where we're literally trying to bring back the ge geographical locations and the context of where Bible stories unfolded so that we can better understand exactly what God has for us today in the 21st century. And, and we're just thrilled that you're a part of it this weekend and have been praying that God would use it to mark your lives in, in new ways. And, and with that, just a word of encouragement as a pastor and teacher of God's Word to you. If, if you want your life to count, and I've never met the person that says, you know, no, nah, not really. I don't want my life to count. I don't want my life to matter. And so if you, like most, want your life to count, this weekend's truth that we're uncovering is just going to be vital in that process. I have to tell you, God's been using the truth that we're going to be looking at this week and to, to reshape me in new ways ever since I stood on that on that old city of Colossae. As I stood on that small grass-covered hill that used to be the city, this truth just started coming alive for me, and I'm very, very excited, though it's a difficult truth, to share it with you because I know the impact it can have. You see, there was a day when that now worthless place 
was a thriving and prosperous and comfortable and desirable place to live. It's, it was very much like where we live today. It, it was a place where living for the now, you know, living for the right now, the present, made absolute sense because the now was fantastic. They were good times. They could see what they were going to experience and get for the investment of their lives. They could touch it and feel it. It was real. It was exciting. And, and living for the now was rewarding. And it was into this world, this very comfortable and desirable world, that Paul the Apostle came teaching a very different message. He came teaching people to love God and to love others more than themselves. Well, that was very strange in a world where it was comfortable to pursue your own prosperity and pleasure, which was the norm of their day. Paul came telling them that they should deny themselves the immoral pleasures that had become so common in that day. They should deny themselves the, the, the prosperity gained through the lack of integrity that was very common in their world. Instead, he taught them that they should live for the unseen, the unknown, and to them at least, the uncertain pleasure and prosperity that would be available to them from God and ultimately for eternity in heaven someday. And, and I have to tell you, it wasn't a very popular message. It's not a very popular message today in our world either. I mean, the days are very similar. This, this truth that Paul started teaching, this truth of Christ that he started propagating throughout this part of the world was flat out rejected by most. It, it sounded like nonsense to them. Wait a minute, I've got a great life now, but I'm supposed to postpone that until later. I'm supposed to not live like everyone else in my culture lives so that I can live for some kind of pleasure of God whom, you know, I've never seen. And it just didn't make sense to them. So they took advantage of and lived for the benefits that they knew were available to them in the moment. I mean, they could have pro prosperity now. They could have pleasure now. They could have comfort now. The life of now was desirable, and so that's what they lived themselves, gave themselves to, and it was a no-brainer for them. In fact, it seemed like the only sure guarantee. But as the saying goes, hindsight's 20-20, right? They made a bad mistake. They found out that in this world, there are no guarantees. That the present, no matter how great it might be, isn't certain at all. And as I said in the video, an earthquake came and wiped everything in that city out. The entire city, gone, rubble, just a mound of junk. And all the people who lived for the moment in those days lost everything they lived for because the moment was gone. They gambled on what seemed to be a no-risk investment. Life was good. Life was rewarding. But they lost. And ultimately, when you look at it, everything they lived for gone, they wasted their lives. Everything they lived for was now just a mound of dirt that remains to today. It's where I stood. The tragic part of this story is that it, it didn't have to be this way. God had sent the Apostle Paul to show them a better way, a more certain way, a way that could make their present lives count forever, a way that could secure for them God's promise of eternal prosperity and eternal pleasure, lives that counted. In the video, as I stood on that mound of dirt, I actually read Colossians 3, 15 through 17, and you heard it. I mean, 
Paul made clear that Jesus and his truth and his peace were the only things worth living for in this world. Paul goes even further in the same book he wrote to the few believers who were living in this, this city called Colossae. Look at chapter 3, verses 23 to 25 of Colossians. Whatever you do, I mean, whatever you do, everything you do, whatever you do, work, relationship, play, pursuit of pleasure, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. I mean, work hard, but do it as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you're going to receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, that's something that's guaranteed, but in this world, you don't have that guarantee. It's the Lord Christ you're serving. Anyone who does wrong, anyone who doesn't live for God in this world, anyone who lives for less than God's will in their life will be repaid for their wrong. And know this, no one will escape this because there's no favoritism with God. He's simply saying, we're all on an equal playing field. We all have been given by God the opportunity to live for that which will count forever. But if you don't, if you live for your own way and will in this world, it's going to come back to haunt you. You'll waste your life. And God made the truth clear. God showed the people of Colossae the way to experience what he created them for, life and life in all of its fullness. But because they lived in a thriving, prosperous, comfortable world, filled with all kinds of momentary pleasures, they didn't listen to what God spoke. They believed their eyes and their past experiences instead of God's truth, and they lost everything. And here's the problem. Here's the connection to us. We're living in the exact same kind of world that they lived in. I mean, it's the same world. And sadly, for most of us, and when I say for most of us, I'm not talking about the people outside the walls of Northridge Church this weekend. When I say most of us, I'm speaking to most of us inside the walls of Northridge Church this weekend at Grosseal, at Brighton, at Saline, and here at Plymouth. For most of us, history is repeating itself. God has spoken. He's made his truth clear. He's shown us the way to experience the life that we're longing for, the life he created us for. He's, he's even given us an example of those who failed to listen to his word in the past and lost everything. He's given us the example of the people of Colossae. So we not only have God's truth, God's spoken word, but we have the wisdom of 2020 insight available to us. Just because life's good now doesn't mean it will be good always. Giving your life to this moment will be a waste of time. And yet the majority of us still make the same mistake they made. We put all of our hope and all of our energy and all of our investment into this life and its rewards. And because of it, we miss the only true and guaranteed hope of God's prosperity and pleasure for eternity. And so as I stood on that mound of dirt covered by shabby grass, as I stood in Colossae, this is the truth that just leaped out at me. Living the right kind of life, which all of us long for, but most of us miss, living the right kind of life flows from focusing on the right kind of hope. Living the right kind of life demands focusing on the right kind of hope. And this is exactly what Paul said to the church in Colossae in the book of Colossians that we have today. Look at chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. Chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Since then, 
You have been raised with Christ. He's talking to the few who actually put their faith in Christ, but they were kind of investing themselves in the hope of the world. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. You need to set your love, your passion, your longing for things above instead of what this world offers. He says you need to set your heart where Christ is seated on the right hand of God because that's all that matters for eternity. And then he says you need to set your mind, your focus on things above. Stop focusing on earthly things. If you focus on earthly things, you will be disappointed because not only will you not get everything you want, but if you get everything you want, you'll still get nothing you really long for. So set your minds on things above. The difference between a life well-lived and a life wasted is ultimately determined by where we place our hope. Now, I'm going to say that again. I understand when I repeat myself, but I'm going to say this again because most of you didn't get that sentence. And I'm going to say it again after I say this. What I just said and what I'm going to say again is worthy of tweeting. It's worthy of Instagram. It's worthy of Snapchat, though it'll disappear in a couple of seconds, I understand. I mean, it's like, I mean, this is worthy of, of getting out there, but more importantly, of getting into your heart. The difference between a life well-lived and a life wasted is ultimately determined by where we place our hope. And when you realize that most people are wasting their lives, it simply means it's because they're placing their hope in the wrong place. And we need to fix it. You see, if we place our hope in the present, in the moment, in wealth or pleasure or power or success, everything that the majority of people in this world, Christians included, are placing their hope in, we're going to waste our lives. The rewards of living for the moment are at best temporary. But in the end, it's all loss. But if we place our hope in God's promise, if we place all of our hope in Jesus, his love and his truth, even though it means there are losses in this world today, people reject us. Maybe we're never as successful vocationally as we could have been because we live with integrity instead of bending integrity to meet our boss's demands. Or, or we pursue pleasure immorally instead of living the high standards that God has given us. And, and if, if we live for Jesus, in the end, the worst we'll receive is God's reward forever. Living for God, placing our hope in Him, in His truth, living for His truth, it's always, only, all gain, and not just for now, but forever. And, and here's what's important for us to understand. This isn't a minor, little, obscure truth hidden in a hard-to-find place of the Bible that I'm trying to interpret out to manipulate your life. This is the whole of God's Word. God tells us this over and over and over again in his, his inspired word to us because he doesn't want us to repeat the same mistakes of those who've gone before us. Let me just share a couple of places where he says it in other portions of, of Scripture. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, and get the, the concreteness of these words. Do not love the world or anything in the world. By saying don't love it, he's saying don't put your hope in it. Don't stake all that you are and all that you have in the world. Because if anyone puts their hope in their world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father ultimately will not rule them, won't be in them. 
For everything in the world, you know, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does, doesn't come from the Father, but comes from the world. The world and its desires pass away. It gets wiped out in one way or another and becomes a meaningless mound of dirt. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. The majority of people in Colossae basically told Paul to take a hike. Are you kidding? What do you mean don't live for today? Are you nuts? And there were a few who said, we'll follow Christ. We'll live for the eternal instead of the present. Who's laughing today? Who's winning today? The outcasts called Christians in Colossae or the people on the front pages of all the news? It's obvious because they placed their hope in the right place. It's the Christians that won. Look at Romans chapter 5, and I'll read the last part of verse 2 all the way through verse 5. And we rejoice. He says, we rejoice. I mean, we have joy. And the world's looking for joy. It's one of the things we all long for, and this is why we live for the pleasures of the moment, because we're living for those moments of joy. But you know, they pass pretty quickly. But he says, we as believers rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. It's Hope in God, in his glory, in what he promises us that we find lasting joy in. That's what he's saying. And then look what he goes on to say. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. How many of you rejoice in your sufferings? Bring them on, God. This is awesome. Love it. Lost my job. Woohoo! Now, people who work at Northridge, when they lose their job, they're woohoo! But other, other people, usually, when they lose their jobs, not so much. We don't rejoice in our suffering. You know why? Because this life is where our hope is. Our jobs are where hope is. And, and our, our human experience is material. That's where our hope is. So when we lose those things, suffering is our only reality. And it just rules us. But he's saying we can rejoice even when life goes very badly. Because our joy isn't found in this world. Our joy is found in the hope of the glory of God. And can I tell you something about that? His glory never changes, so your joy never has to be diminished. Isn't that awesome? Which tells me my hope's usually in the wrong place. I love it. One person is going, yeah, that's pretty cool, Brad. The rest of you are going, get something to sexier here. You know, let's talk about something more fun. Look at, if you're ever going to experience what you're longing for in life, you're going to have to look at the cold reality of how we're messing up what we're trusting in. He says, our hope is in the glory of God. So even when we suffer, we have joy because we know that when God is our hope, suffering produces good things like perseverance and character and even greater hope. And then he says, and hope and he's talking about hope in the glory of God, never disappoints us. Hope in God never, never disappoints us. I'm going to tell you that's crazy because almost everything I've ever hoped in has disappointed me. Hasn't you? Some of you thought, when I get married, man, life's going to be great. How are you feeling these days? <laughs> now, marriage is great, but boy, oh boy, there's some disappointments. Just ask my wife. How about that job that you couldn't wait? If you got that job, it would be the... You'd never want anything else in the world, but now all you want is a different job. 
Most of the things we hope for in this world disappoint. But you know, he says, look, it doesn't matter what happens in my life. I still have joy because hope in God never disappoints because God always fulfills his promises. He's poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. Do you know how awesome that is? A hope that doesn't disappoint? Sadly, most, not most of those people out there, most of us put our hope in the wrong place. We put our hope in the present. And as a result, we experience nothing but disappointment. It's the only possible outcome, by the way. When you put your hope in this world, the only outcome is disappointment because the world and its desires are passing away. That's what God told us. When you put your hope in something that's passing away, something that's only temporary, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to waste the one and only life you got. It's only those of us who put our hope in God and then keep it there, who put our hope in his promises and keep our hope there, that ultimately live well, who are never disappointed. It's only people who put their hope in God and his eternal pleasure and prosperity who, who live the life that they're ultimately created to live. And this is why it's so important for us to know and remember the truth of Colossae. Living the right kind of life flows from focusing on the right kind of hope. We need to focus on the right kind of hope. What we place our hope in determines the direction and outcome of our lives. And so if we want to change the direction of our life, we don't change all the things we do. We change where we're placing our hope. And let me give you the whole reason behind this. Hope is the key because what we place our hope in ultimately determines who or what we trust and who or what we love in this world. What you hope in determines what or who you trust. What you hope in determines who or what you love and those things define your whole life. And just so you know this isn't Brad Powell talking, let's let Paul do it again. Colossians chapter 1 once again, to the, to the church, the small little group of people that existed in Colossae before it was wiped off the planet, he writes, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, and here's why. And he's talking to this small group that did follow Christ in that day. And here's why we thank God for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ. We've heard that you're trusting in Christ with your whole heart. And then he says, and we've heard of your love for all the saints. We've heard that you're not living for yourselves like most people in your world, but that you're living, not only trusting God, but loving others. You're giving yourself for others. And then look what it says. The faith and love that spring from the what? Where, do, where does their trust for God come from? Where they've placed their hope. Where does their love for others come from, this unselfish act of serving? Where, where, does it, where is it compelled by? Where is it motivated from? Where does it come from? From their hope. Do you know why people trust the wrong things? Because they hope in the wrong things. Do you know why people love the wrong things? Because they hope in the wrong things. A high schooler thinks that if some boy will just love her, life will be good. And then she finds out that that's not true at all. Her hope was misplaced. Young ladies... Hope in a 15-year-old boy is stupid hope. It's just dumb. But hope in God will never disappoint. By the way, I just did some parenting for you people out there, you know. 
What I trust and what I love stems from what I hope. There is nothing more important in determining the direction of our lives than what or who we trust. And most of us are trusting the you know, some of you are you're trusting the government. That's worse than a 15-year-old boy. If we could just get those Republicans in there, everything would be okay. <laughs> if we could just keep those Democrats in there, you know, I mean, are you nuts? God's our hope. God's our hope. I'm tired of Christians. I'm tired of Christians putting all of their hope in politics. It's about time we put our hope in Jesus. He won't disappoint us. This is really important stuff. By the way, I didn't talk about any of this last night. I don't know. I, I might not be talking about it again later today. I don't know. Thank God for security at Northridge. All right, here's the thing. What we trust and what we love is determined by where our hope is. Let me ask you, what are you trusting? What are you loving? Where's your hope? If we choose to put our hope in the present, we're going to trust the world and its beliefs and its values and its morals and its judicial decisions and its philosophies. We're going to think they're right. We'll look to the world for direction because we look for direction from those we trust. We're going to look to the world for wisdom because we look for wisdom to those who trust. we trust. And we're going to look to the world for help and encouragement for what we do and how we live because that's what we do with what we trust. If we put our hope in the present, then we're going to, look to, the, we're going to love the world and what it loves. The world will determine our dreams and our pursuits and our sacrifices and our passions and our investments. If we choose to put our hope in the present, we'll trust and love the wrong things. We'll waste our lives, and this is exactly what most Christians are doing. It's certainly what most all non-Christians are doing. But if we choose to put our hope in God's promises, we're going to trust and love the right things. Even if it doesn't feel right, we'll, we'll trust Him and turn to Him for His direction and for His wisdom and for His help and for His encouragement. We'll We'll love him, which means we'll form our dreams and pursuits and sacrifices and passions and investments to please him because he's the one we love. And you know what will happen? Though most people in the world will reject us and think we're crazy, we'll live our lives well and we'll experience his pleasure. So here's the ultimate question. Are you ready for it? I mean, it all boils down to this one question. Where have you placed your hope? I mean, really, where is your hope? Is it the right hope? Is it leading you to trust and love the right things? Leading you to make the right choices? Are you living your life well or wasting your life? And, and here's why it's so relevant to us. What happened to Colossae is going to happen in our world. You know this, right? You look at that mound of dirt that used to be Colossae, and you go, who'd want to go there? No one, really. Unless you want to hear from God about where this world we live in is going. It, it may not happen to our world as dramatically as an earthquake coming and wiping the whole place off the planet, but our world is going to pass away. 
the things our world values are only temporary and one day they'll be gone and like the people of that day like it or not and I'm sorry to be such a downer but we're all gonna die happy Sunday <laughs> we're all gonna die and when that happens the question will be did we waste our lives or live them well did we place our hope in the right or wrong things well God helped to put this truth for me into, you know, HD clarity. Just a few miles away from Colossae, I mean, literally somewhere around 10 or so miles, maybe 12, from the city of Colossae, we visited a place. And it impacted me. And I want to share it with you. This morning I had an unexpected privilege to walk through one of the largest cities of the dead, an ancient burial ground, and I wasn't at all actually intending on doing anything here, but it just, just impacted me. Here we are in this place where people for thousands of years have been quiet, they've been dead, large, huge grave sites of rich people and small, unmarked places for poor people. And, and now it's all just rubble. And though quiet, I have to tell you, it's shouting at me about their story. What did they live for? What's, what's their life mean now? Because like us, they they were clamoring to find the meaning of life and, and and what really is interesting to me is that there are Christian graves and and I know that they were disparaged people back then uh, persecuted people and yet I'm wondering about their story today who now that they're in eternity is truly experiencing the beauty that everyone seeks in life and thousands of years from now, when someone walks through my burial ground, what will my life shout to the world? What did I value? What did I live for? And in the bottom line, if my life didn't bring pleasure for God, whatever my story shouts now or forever will be meaningless. And it just makes me really want to challenge us to live lives of meaning, lives that will count, not just now, but forever.
Ultimately, where we're placing our hope today will determine the real legacy of our lives. Where we place our hope will determine whether our story really matters thousands of years from now or not. But let's just be honest together. It's so important that we deal with reality. As much as we want to live unselfishly, and I think most of us do. As much as we want to love God and love others above ourselves, to put all our hope in the eternal, it's tough. I mean, the world offers some powerful attractions, powerful pleasures. And it's tough at times to live for God, to sacrifice for God when all around us people who are rejecting God and rejecting his truth seem to be experiencing such great lives pleasure and prosperity better lives than we're experiencing and we're following God isn't it doesn't that make it hard sometimes just know that's not new to our world it's always been hard there was one of the great worship leaders of of God's kingdom was a man named Asaph and he was used to write a lot of the Psalms and in one of the Psalms it's just one, been one of my favorite of his for a long time Psalm 73 I mean, look what he says but as for me he says my feet had almost slipped spiritually it's like I almost fell away from God I had nearly lost my foothold because I envied the arrogant when I saw their prosperity the prosperity of the way I mean 
these people were living great, and I'm trying to live for God, and I'm not living great. It almost made me fall away. But he then, after talking about this a long time, verse 17, he says, but then I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I went back into God's presence. And you know what he says? And then I remembered, I understood their final destiny. He goes, I remembered. I can't evaluate their lives in the power of the moment. I have to remember that in eternity, they'll experience nothing but misery. It's a powerful reminder that it's easy to get lost in the hope of this world and forget that the hope of this world is but for a moment and the hope of God is eternal. And we've got to remember it. And this weekend, as we look at Colossae, is about remembering that. Here's the key, to keep our hope in the right place, to live our lives well, we have to, by faith, see beyond the moment. It's tough for a high schooler to see beyond the moment. The moment's all they know. Their life's very limited in perspective. But you know what's sad? It's tough for me to see beyond the moment. And I've lived 33 years. We have to keep our eyes on eternity. We have to keep our eyes on eternity. We have to keep our eyes on eternity. Paul said it. I already read it. Colossians 3, 1 and 2, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Stop loving things of this world. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Stop focusing on things in this world because it will make you trust and love the wrong things. We need to remember the truth of Colossae when... When we love and trust the world, we lose. We waste our lives. When we love and trust Jesus, we win. We live lives that matter, not just for now, but for all of eternity. And all of this is determined by where we place our hope. So can I just remind you? I mean, it's just, it's just about reminding you. In the end, Jesus is all that's going to matter. it. Jesus is all that's going to matter. Colossians 1.27, once again to this church in Colossae, Paul said to them, to those who didn't know God, God has chosen to make him known the glorious riches of his mystery. And then he declares the glorious riches of his mystery. You want to know what the glorious mystical mystery of God is. It's hidden to most people. Do you want in on the secret? Do you know what you want to know what it is? Paul wrote it to this church in this city that's now no longer existent. Hey, here's the secret of God. Ready? Christ in you. That's the hope of glory. You want hope? Christ in you. Christ in you. That's hope. Not I'm successful. Not everyone loves me. Not I'm popular. Not no one rejects me. Not I'm big stuff. Christ in you. And you know what's great about that? You don't deserve Christ in you. Your sin discounts you for having Christ in you. But Jesus loved you so much, he came, lived the life you failed to live, 
died for your sin on that cross and rose again so you, though you don't deserve it, so I, though I don't deserve it, could have Christ in me, which is all I need because that's the hope of glory. I can have joy that never ends if Christ is in me, and so can you. So why do I want what this world has when I already have Jesus in me? Why? Why do you? And if you don't have Jesus in you, this is what you're longing for. You say, I don't believe in God. Then you're in serious trouble. Because the only one who can give you what you're longing for is the one who created you. And if you dismiss him, you've dismissed your only opportunity. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. C.T. Studd, what a great last name, by the way. You're a stud, I know my family name. C.T. Studd, a great believer from the past, wrote this sentence. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's place our hope in him because that hope leads us to trust the right things and love the right things and never disappoints. Just before we end, would you pray with me? Hope that those of you at Northridge Grosseal will pray with me and those of you here at Plymouth and those of you watching online, if you just pray with me. If you're already a believer in the Revelation, as we saw last week, chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus says this to you, I'm standing at the door of your life knocking and if you let me in, I'll come back in and, and give you a hope that matters. And if you're a believer, I encourage you, let Jesus be where you put your hope. Stop trying to compete with the world because the world doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is God. And if you're here and you've never received Jesus, if you've never let him in, let him in because Christ in you is what you're longing for. He's the hope of glory. Let's pray. If you're ready to let Jesus in, whether you're a believer already or not, just take my words in this prayer and make them yours. Jesus, right now I'm hearing the loud knock of your presence and my need. And though I've sinned against you, I'm guilty of living for myself and now. I'm putting my faith in your death on the cross, your resurrection, to give me new life. Jesus, I'm asking you to live in me and help me to experience the hope of God's glory. And I'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Just before you run out, I just really want to encourage you, please communicate with us. If you have spiritual questions or questions, we'd love to answer them. But in the program we give you when you attend one of our services, we give you this connection card. It's a way to ask questions, help us to connect with you. If you just prayed with me, please let us know. Uh, if it was for your first time, check that bottom part. Put it in the box as you're leaving each of the exits of our auditorium. If you've done that before but you want to communicate to us, let us know. If you missed the boxes, give it to guest reception. If you're watching online, just hit the What Next button. We'll do the same for you. We'll send you some information about how to grow. Um, this is an important deal, friends, and I hope you know how important it is. Um, if, you, if God's working on your heart, there's stuff going on and you'd like to pray with someone, we have a prayer team that meets up here. When I say goodbye, 
you just come forward and they'll meet with you, they'll pray with you, it'll be a real appropriate and powerful time in your life. Just before you go, I, uh, you saw it in the Northridge News at the very beginning. Um, Discover Northridge is this Friday night. We give a dinner and I teach it so that we can answer the questions you have about what this ministry is about, uh, what God's vision for this place is about, and how we're going to go about fulfilling his mission for this place. I hope that you'll come and be a part. If you haven't, sign up on the, the program or online or go to guest services. We'd love to have you. See you on Friday night. Thanks, everybody.